I'm very impressed. I'm very, very impressed. And now you've got to start working hard because you've got no excuses. No, absolutely no excuses. I've got my room almost set up how I want to, like we were discussing a few episodes ago. Cheeky little plug there if you missed the episode. Um, Yeah. So let's go back to Snow Patrol, Gem. In fact, first, before we do that, we should probably say what this episode is about. And then link it into Snow Patrol. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> Would be a good idea. Uh, so this episode, we're going to be talking about um, why people kind of wait till breaking point to change whatever it is in their life that they, they need to change. Um, and that's why I chose that, that song at the beginning yeah. of the episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it on record. I do not like Snow Patrol. Well, I had their first album and I didn't mind it. But this, this lyric always stayed with me and it's that... Um, I'll, I'll say the lyric again if you from the front of that episode. It's, um, for once I want to be the car crash, not always just the traffic jam. Hit me hard enough to wake me. And what I love about those lyrics is it's so true. I think so many people kind of sit back and wait, wait for that sort of big thing to happen that finally like shakes them into actual like doing the thing that they want to do. Whilst, but then most of the time we're all that person. Most of us in our lives are just that person still sitting in the traffic jam. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I thought that that sort of lyric would really apply to this episode. Okay. Well, I don't like Snow Patrol. You're right. But I'm, <laughs> I don't like Snow Patrol, so I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from saying anything other than you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it applies. <laughs> um, and we've also, as always, got a little bit of a quote uh, to start the episode with. So as well as a song. Oh my clip. god, we're we're just doubling up. We are just Ooh. on a roll. Cool. So the uh, the quote of the beginning quote of the episode is: "Neither a wise man nor a brave man lies down on the tracks of history to wait for the train of the future to run him over, to run over him." <laughs> <laughs> and that's by <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay. Ooh, creaky chair. Um, okay. So that is a little bit more. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Hammering home our point. <laughs> no, I was thinking more obscure than... Uh, it is. I mean, it's just saying sort of they're like, don't wait. Don't wait for that train. Don't like... Like, you don't want to just sit there and exp- and just wait for the future to come and hit you in the face. Like, you have you have the chance right now in this moment to make the change you need to make. And so, don't sit there. Don't be run over by the train. Like a Like a woman in a silent film... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was my attempt at sound the, uh, the music track going towards the, from the backing track. Uh, it's oh. it's it's recorded. We're going to remix it, and that's going to be our new jingle. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to get a jingle soon, aren't we? We're we gonna are. Work we are planning to get a jingle. That'll be very cool. So, <laughs> whilst we're uh, or before we go off on one too much, let's actually talk about what we're here to talk about. Um, so, let's start with. 
the big question of why we think people wait until that point of almost no return. (laughs) (laughs) That breaking point before they, they make any changes to their lives. I think I think the biggest reason why people just don't make that leap is because it's so it's so easy to stay the same. It's like it's the much harder choice to actually say, actually, I don't like what's happening, so I'm gonna just totally smash my current reality. I'm gonna do something new. I'm gonna do something that has no sort of guarantees. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that doesn't sound appealing. Like, do you want to do something that's scary and new, and you don't know what the results are? Whereas at the moment, you're kind of getting by. Things are working for you. You're kind of getting your money in. You're you're just getting by, you're living, you're existing, and then it's like, well, do I, do I need to change? And I think that's the biggest reason people don't change is because you get so comfortable with where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. And it's it goes back to kind of what we were saying a few episodes ago with uh, people who are adverse to change when we did that episode. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's just easier if things stay the same because you don't have to reassess anything. You don't have to put in the effort of making any changes you can literally just coast along in your traffic jam lying on your train tracks whichever you prefer (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just and just kind of as you say just wait until you need to change anything the the worst part about it is actually the brain does that purposely like we Mm. i think we might have spoke about it before but it's like the brain is there to make you comfortable with whatever your situation is it's like you get people who are like in terrible situations maybe hostages or something but Mm -hmm. the brain wants you to to cope with that like it wants you to cope so if you're going through really it's it's adaptability exactly if you're going through a really bad experience or you're like i know so many people who go to work genuinely hate it like really despise it Mm -hmm. but they keep going back day after day and i'm just like how do you do it and it's because the brain is saying well that brings you in money that Mm -hmm. brings you in you can go out with your friends Mm -hmm. and every and kind of people think that well everybody else is hating their job everybody else hates it so the brain says look i'll protect you like Mm -hmm. i won't let you go crazy but i'll let you get comfortable with how how bad this situation is like i'll let you just be comfortable with it and Mm -hmm. that's what's really dangerous and that's why sometimes that sort of as you say that sort of that crash or that sort of something seriously going Mm -hmm. wrong or like when people get made redundant it's such a shock to the system mm-hmm. the brain's like scattering trying to pick up the pieces yeah. like what just happened and then that's enough to actually uh, spur people on and be like oh god like i didn't realize like it, it just smashes that current reality mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people tend to wait for so if we if we used uh, jobs as an example then um so obviously people are going to work doing jobs they hate thankfully me and you aren't those people Woo-hoo. but there are a lot of people out there Uh like if you just look on the tube first thing in the morning here in london Mm -hmm. 95 6 7 8 Great, 100% <laughs> of those people are miserable as sin yeah. going into work. I think there was a statistic work. recently about how many people like started fights now on the underground and how it's getting like people Goodness are so me. tense and so angry and yeah. it's like people are kicking off all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Can you blame them? Yeah. I mean, the tube is horrible. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, they're looking miserable as sin because they're going and they know they're going to be spending the next seven minimum hours in a place they don't want to be doing something they don't really enjoy dealing with people they don't want to deal with um and then they've got an armpit in their face <laughs> on the train <laughs> by the dude who also hates his job so doesn't wash <laughs> <laughs> so why are we putting ourselves through that obviously we've talked about you know the ease of stay things staying the same but what about 
I mean, because the main the main kind of excuse I say excuse is a pretty valid reason to a degree. Um, is well, it pays my bills. It pays my bills. It means I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think you're right there. I think that is usually number one. Like if you say to someone, "Why are you doing that job? You hate it. It is killing you as a person." The, mm-hmm. the first thing they say is, "It's for the money. Like I need the money." And I think that just comes down to sort of like a inner fear that we've we've all been brought up around money it's been like it's becomes like this sort of thing that everybody seems to be striving for it's Mm -hmm. valuable it a lot of people kind of relate it to that's their self-worth so Mm -hmm. the main thing is just sort of a fear of not having money it's like if i don't have money then i'm not somebody of Mm -hmm. worth or it's just i should have money if i'm not earning money it's like when i was unemployed literally i felt like crap because i was like i'm not earning so i'm not like a, a a reasonable citizen because i'm someone who's I was going collecting my money off the like on the dole basically, and I was just like I felt like crap, but because so many people put so much pressure on themselves, and it's like if, if you're not earning or if you're not got enough money coming in, you are not worthy. And so I think number one, it, that's the reason why people yeah. hold on to it. And I think we've been kind of introduced into a, I say introduced into a society, born into a society, um, where the general view of money seems to be that if you if you get a lot of it, it has to be through some form of luck or some form of uh, inheritance or something like that. It, the, the, an abundance of wealth cannot be created. It can only be given, mm-hmm. um, which, I, you know, isn't, isn't particularly true. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to get a big abundance of money, but it is possible. Um, but there's something in society, some cultural part of society that says that it's not possible to get abundance of wealth therefore i will go to a job that i hate because it's the only way i can generate money i think that's a huge like i wrote that in my ebook which you can get on powerfulnonster.com but like it's <laughs> like on there is that like most people especially like well young generation old generation nobody's been taught how to make money for themselves mm-hmm. and so that's another thing that holds people back into their jobs because really they don't actually know how to earn money for themselves and so you're constantly looking at okay what's the next job i get or i'll go for the pay rise but then when you're constantly working for someone it's very small incremental sort of raises and you're kind of doing jobs because you want the title which then requires you a little bit more money at the next job whereas Mm -hmm. people don't realize like your most your value comes through when you probably well people say like it's in rich dad poor dad as well like you have to be earning you have to like take control of your finances like you'll never get rich working for someone else you even said to me that last week is like that's what my dad said to me my, like, that's a, that is the best lesson i think my dad has, and he's told it me since i was like seven years old he was like son if you want to get rich in this world you got to work for yourself because nobody else is going to allow you to become rich off mm-hmm. of their back and i think the main thing we were talking about it like last week in the podcast is when you're earning money for yourself and you're doing it off your own back you are self-reliant mm-hmm. and it's not all about becoming rich as everybody no, says it's just not. being in control of your life it's someone can't just say well you're um that's it you're made redundant and that's it your life falls to pieces everything around you falls because you ain't earning your own money so mm-hmm. it's that's just like but people fear that and that is a reason why it's till that car crash comes along or what happened, that big shake up, which, which is why they don't change. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, obviously I I think using a job as an example is a, is a really good one. Um, because so many things can happen. Uh, you can be made redundant or, you know, you can turn around, (laughs) get medical issues like mental health issues because you're depressed or anything like that before you need to change anything. And I think it is one that most people can relate to. So I think if we stick on, on this Mm -hmm. path, I think it's a, it's a good one. Um, 
So another thing that obviously keeps people doing the things that they um, they hate doing as a day job um, is quite often there's this view that um, if you're not employed, you can only be unemployed. <laughs> You've seen this yourself. Definitely. Um it's and, not and a view that you well. have, it's a view that other people have. Mm-hmm. If you're not employed, if you're not going, leaving your house and going to work, you therefore are unemployed. Yeah. Whereas for me, going to work, okay, yeah, I do have a day job as well just to support me whilst I get my career uh, on a roll. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I go to work, I get up in the morning, I have a shower and I go into my room mm-hmm. and I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's this this outside pressure just to kind of stay in employment because if you're not in employment, you can't be doing anything of worth. Um, and 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 so I think outside pressures really have a really big impact. I think for on this me, sort of this is probably one of the biggest ones that was getting to me. And I think it wasn't actually till we had that conversation a couple of weeks back and you said to me, well, cause I, I, I am, I don't know. I really take in what other people say. And when people are asking what you're doing and you go around, you're kind of out, you're, you're outside work hours. You're like walking up the road, going shopping. And even when I go in the butchers, he's like, well, what are you doing? You I've got time off work there, mate. And you're like, well, actually no, I'm just picking up my, my meat for the week. And it's yeah. kind of, it's a shock to people. But I think that the biggest switch around for me is to actually stop worrying about it. It's like what you said. If, if you start saying to yourself, well, I'm an entrepreneur, I work for myself it's more empowering than saying, well, I, I'm not employed. And mm-hmm. I think that's how people come at it usually. It's kind of like you, you when you start entrepreneurship, you say, well, I haven't, I haven't got a job at the moment and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to work my way, but you need to really sort of like totally embrace it and be like, yeah. it's actually empowering when you say that and you mm-hmm. use it to your advantage rather than in a defense. But again, yeah, if you if you decide to take that path, everybody around you who is doing the norm, who is going into work nine to five, they are looking at you now because you're doing something different mm-hmm. and so you are on like high alert everyone's asking so what are you doing I, mean, I know my girlfriend's parents are like oh, what are you up to now and it's kind of really awkward when you're having those sort of conversations you're like <laughs> yeah. you don't want to Pat- come across particularly when you haven't when you know things are going slow because they mm-hmm. do when you're working for exactly. yourself and, and you know there's not a huge amount of stuff on the horizon because you you know there's a lot, a lot of stuff in the pipeline Yeah, and I hate saying that oh the stuff in the pipeline because yeah. it you, sounds you like are, such a you are on out. blast when you make that change you are on blast everybody is looking at you mm-hmm. and, and that's, even, that's a bigger pressure because you're like oh my god i'm kidding myself now i'm actually am i lying to people am i lying i'm not i'm not an entrepreneur am i and then not until you start really embracing i had a similar thing actually um with uh my production company probably about a year ago it got to the point where i was (laughs) people are going so how's your acting career going i'm going "Mm, well i'm working on my company yeah um and deep down i'm going like externally i'm going that that looks that looks great to everyone but internally i'm kind of dying inside (laughs) because i'm like i'm only doing like a couple of projects a year at the yeah. moment. I can't call myself an actor right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's a similar similar sort of thing. And and then I it was got to the point where I was going, okay, I can't keep saying this to people now. Like, it's getting to the point where it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> you, you feel you actually might be lying about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need to sort But sort it's not until out. you embrace it fully and say, no, that is what I am. And then suddenly mm-hmm. things start to fall into place and yeah. you start becoming it. But if you keep telling yourself, okay, I'm lying, this is not right. I'm mm-hmm. telling people I'm a, a, a songwriter. I'm telling people I am a writer. I'm telling people whatever you are. Mm-hmm. You really need to say, yes, I am that. And yeah, I'm not currently where I expect to be in that, yeah. in that journey, but... 
I'm on that path, like I'm making steps a day that are leading me to mm-hmm. be that thing. So yeah, I can say I'm the writer. Yes, I can say I'm the filmmaker. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well, uh, whether this is about career or whether it's about diet or whether it's about fitness, whether it's about, I don't know, anything. Um, any problem that you that you might have, which you can foresee you're going to get to a really bad state, I think it's really good just to embrace as you say, the identity of what you want to be um, and be intentional about the way that you embrace that. Um, I think it it goes beyond saying, you know, I am an actor um, because I was saying that for ages and kind of not really doing anything. And so it was kind of like, well, actually... I'm fe- I feel like a fraud and imposter syndrome mm-hmm. kicks in, which, you know, to the outside world, yeah, I was an actor, but I didn't feel it inside. So I embraced the actor in me again and kind of went, okay, what is it that would make me an actor rather than this mm-hmm. fraud that I'm feeling? And it's making sure that I'm checking, you know, casting breakdowns every single day, mm-hmm. making sure that you know, the projects that I work on outside of Mm -hmm. my day job are going towards my acting, making sure I'm spending more money on my acting career, investing in that career, you know, making sure that I'm on IMDB, you know. Definitely. I think one thing or technique I really love is like saying to yourself, well, if, if if I was the entrepreneur or if I was sitting there down with that entrepreneur that I was thinking I was, mm-hmm. what would he be doing today? So what would yeah. Wayne, the actor who's been in whatever, how many feature films, what would he have been doing today? And then you'd be like, oh, he might have been, as you say, checking on the internet, looking for casting. He might have been reading books. He might have mm-hmm. been uh, like analysing films. And so it doesn't even have to be huge things. It could just be no. the small steps because they're the things that are going to build yeah, up. The way, the way I look at it and the, the way I've always said to and I said it when I was training as well, is as an example... Being an actor is not a career. It's a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're working for yourself, that also isn't a career. It's a lifestyle choice. And so you have to embrace that lifestyle, understand what that lifestyle means, Mm -hmm. um, adjust it to what your needs are, obviously, but but then move move forward. Um, So I want to go back to uh, outside pressures a little bit again, because Mm -hmm. obviously we focused on the career side. I want to use maybe diet as an example of how outside pressures might affect that or or your or your health and anything like that because I, I think that's slightly different in terms of um kind of how it affects and what those pressures might be as well um i don't i mean not so much about not diet. necessarily diet but yeah. something to maybe to do with with your health or your mental health or whatever rather than rather than career based but something i think more. to be honest a lot of it comes down to control and i think mm-hmm. when people a lot of the time is when people are say in a job that they hate or they're in a um in it, they're not they're not looking after like as you say their health they're not maybe eating the wrong stuff if you look back at that it's because those things have you've sort of outsourced control like you've outsourced control because now you go to work and somebody tells you what to do you have to do it you come home and you just grab whatever's quickest mm-hmm. so you go for the i know the fast quick meal the microwave meal so the c- control is no longer there like you are not actively making decisions for your for the good you're just going along with like the kind of easy steps the mm-hmm. easy routes out and i think that's that's the biggest thing really is that when when people don't make like big changes it's because they have no control they are not controlling enough of their life mm-hmm. do you get what i mean yeah yeah absolutely um so i mean what would you 
what would you advise to anyone in, in that in that position? I think you need to sort of just step back and say, what what things am I actually controlling today? Like, mm-hmm. if you have to go, if you're going into your job and you're not enjoying it, like, that's something, someone has taken that control away from you. If you're kind of go home and you just put on whatever's the quickest meal and you haven't thought about what you're going to eat or you haven't thought about going into the gym, you've just, like, you have no control over your life. And mm-hmm. if you don't have control, how can you ever go to the point or be that thing you want to be you need to kind of really strip it right back and be like what aspects of my life can I control like you said there with the um the acting stuff like to to make those decisions to come home and be the actor that picks up the book or goes online and looks for sort of casting opportunities that is you taking control of you're seeing okay I want to be the actor and what 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 sort of control do I have to take today or what actions do I have to take today that are going to sort of lead me there mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that lies in the habits that you create really okay um so i want to move down the timeline really mm-hmm. so uh we're now at breaking point mm-hmm. okay so for me for example uh with with if i use my acting career as an example i'm at the stage where people are now telling me i'm not an actor you're not doing enough. You're not an actor. And it's happening on a regular basis. Uh, or, for example, uh, if we looked at health, you know, you've just had a minor heart attack and your doctor said, you need to sort yourself out. Or your doctor has, you know, said that you're clinically obese. Or you are put on antidepressants or anything like that. Like, and we haven't done anything before that. Now, there's two ways that it can go, usually, because mm-hmm. your brain is kind of going, as as you said earlier, oh my God, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You just pick up all the pieces and stuff. Now, it will go one of two ways. Either people will get worse, mm-hmm. uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, so, usually more of a, a mental uh, state than it is actually a physical state but it obviously has physical effects as well as with all stress um or it goes the other way and people go oh i need to sort myself out Mm -hmm. um what do you think kind of separates the two people before we talk get onto that point i just want to just go before that because i think people don't like my true belief is that people don't have to wait for that breaking point Mm -hmm. and i think before you ever get to that breaking point, your body is naturally sending out signals on whatever, whether it's you're eating too much. Here, look at you. You've put on so much weight or um, you hate your job. You look, you literally hate it that you're depressed. You don't want to be around anyone like your body, like underneath there, there's sort of, I think, I know it's a bit spiritual to say, but underneath you have a purpose inside mm. you that knows exactly who and where it wants to go. Yeah. And so without you knowing, I mean, that could be the subconscious mind, but underneath there, it knows who and what you want to be like in the future. Mm. And so it will be giving you like little tips and like tricks or whether it's kind of like nudge you in the right direction. It's like yeah. when you, when you know you've been eating too much, like the next day you kind of feel a bit guilty and oh, I should probably yeah. eat a little better now. I should probably have some vegetables mm. and, or, I really hate this job. And I mean, I quit my job and it was on the basis that I was getting really comfortable. It was a job that was really, I enjoyed, but something in me was saying, Jem, this is not enough. Like this is not leading you to who I think you, you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And even the entrepreneurship journey, it keeps pushing me, it keeps pushing me. And it's like, there's something inside you that is it's like, naturally your mind's going to like let off little cracks along the way Mm -hmm. but the problem is a lot of people aren't self-aware enough to see those cracks Mm. you're kind of we were saying that like you don't see the cracks the person when people i think my mum my mum watches um 
like the biggest loser on TV and she's always she's like how how do people just let themselves get like that mm. and it's like don't they just realize like literally some of them are so big they can't Yeah walk. well I've I've always I have this has always been my my uh question mm-hmm. with uh people that are obese mm-hmm. um because as we said before we hit record you asked me if I had had a breaking point mm-hmm. at any point and I couldn't think of one mm-hmm. because I, I I like to think I'm quite self-aware, and so I will make change. Like I see how my behaviour affect, affects people around me, and I try and make changes. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not, but I'm at least aware that and trying things out. Um, and I always look at obese people, and I always think when it gets to the point where you no longer fit into your clothes, surely that is the physical sign mm-hmm. that something needs to change. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. There just must be a certain type of person that just doesn't comprehend that. It doesn't doesn't connect the dots or like with with obesity and stuff. People always see. I mean, obesity. I don't know. Just, just using, example, using it as yeah. an example, though. A lot of people see it as oh, it's a physical thing. But like, obviously, to me, being obese is a mental health condition. Yeah, definitely, hundred sure. percent. Sure. And all right, you might be seeing the physical things, but what your mind's doing is saying actually the pleasure of maybe eating that food gets rid of the pain of the job I hate. So I'm, and right. so it's always yeah. like a balance, but there will always be the cracks. Like, like you say, a self-aware person who says, I can't fit into those trousers. That's self-awareness. But if you're, if your brain is so like, there's so much more destruction in your life, it kind of will blur that out. It will. So you'll, right. you'll, na- I mean, I'm no psychologist, but you will naturally not kind of focus on it because you'd be like, okay, people know, like people know they're putting on weight. They're hundred percent. It's just a, it's not as important as the the feeling that you get maybe through having that food. Right. And so my main thing is people every day have cracks. I have cracks every day where I wake up and I've got a crack in something. I can notice that crack or I can Mm -hmm. feel that, oh, I went out that week and I had too much drink or you kind of, um, you haven't done enough. And so I'm just becoming so much more self-aware of what leads to me to these cracks that I don't want myself to get the breaking point. I don't want to like have a huge breakdown. You get these people at work who literally just one day they go and flip out and go completely nuts and then they yeah. have to go for help. It's because people are not are just avoiding the cracks in all mm-hmm. other areas because maybe they're too busy thinking about the finances or whatever else. And this is why I wanted to do the podcast today because I, I want to ponder that question. Like why do people, why do people wait for that, that, that breaking point? And yeah. I think it's because you become so sort of, delusion not delusion but you just don't see the cracks and there are there are hundreds of them they're all mm-hmm. there but you just need to oh yeah whether come. that's whether that's work whether it's relationships whether it's diet or whatever um uh, yeah and I, I think you're right really there's i mean comfort eating we all do it we all do it i don't think there's one person that can mm-hmm. say they've never comfort eaten definitely i do it all the time <laughs> or i and quite often I boredom eat. That's my mm-hmm. worst one. But <laughs> but that's um, a, a boredom eat could be a crack saying you need to socialise more or you need yeah. to kind of get out more or you need to... It's something saying, well, if you're doing this, there's something that is missing that's not true to you. Mm-hmm. And that might be, I need to go out and have a conversation with someone. I might just give someone a call. I might call my mum, call my dad. Yeah. That's just a crack there saying, like, when you do these sort of behaviours that are sort of sabotaging yourself, that, that behaviour, like I say this all the time, like when I was younger... 
I used to just work. I was in an office. It was a boring job. This was my first job. Mm-hmm. I did it for two years. And those two years, I probably went out and partied the most, drank the most, mm-hmm. and just spent on clothing. I became obsessed with fashion and buying whatever technology. And it was because I was literally self-sabotaging myself. I was giving up so much of my life to this job that I didn't enjoy. And so my only fun and my only excitement came from me going out on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, getting pissed, wake up on Sunday, recover, yeah. do the same thing again. And that's what the that's the body's way of it's, it's, it's a really shame because the body wants you to change but in order to make you change it's going to try to break you it's going to make you mm-hmm. sabotage yourself it's going to make you put yourself in situations that make you like you look at these people who are hugely overweight and they get to the point where they have the heart attack and it changes it's like in a way the body made you you got fat in the end but the body got you to the point that it had to break you and now you've changed mm-hmm. and that's what i'm saying like people the body will sabotage itself in order to help you kind of adjust along that course in a way. But but we'll get back onto that whole uh, topic we were talking about because I think it's a, this is one of like one of the most interesting topics <laughs> and I only found about it recently because I was doing a um, blog post and I wrote a blog post on this and it was all about self and um, post-traumatic growth and for me it was it was so relevant and it's um I was lucky enough to meet um, Stephen Sutton, who probably people know. Oh, you So actually, met got, I got Stephen to meet Sutton, Stephen Sutton about a month or two before he passed away. Oh, wow. Which, and I wrote this post before he passed away, and it was all about post-traumatic growth. For those who aren't familiar with Stephen Sutton, do you want to just give a, a rundown of, of who he is? I'm sure people are, but just in case there are people that aren't. Well, Stephen Sutton was he's a young guy. I think he was about 19, I'm not 100%, about 19 or something when he was diagnosed with cancer, and then he when he was diagnosed they told him that it was going to be life-threatening mm-hmm. and so he put together a bucket list of things he wanted to do and he literally did so many i think he raised over two million pound for teenage cancer trust he just did so much like for for what he did in his years from say when he was diagnosed with cancer up to his it went till he passed away he probably done more than several people have done in their lifetimes mm-hmm. and it was just and, and that's why i want to talk about post-traumatic growth because he is an absolute like example of somebody who's taken a bad situation who hit a breaking point who was a young teenager doing all the things he loved and then was told he's he's got cancer and it's it's, it's life-threatening and he doesn't know how long he's got to live and in that moment he went and he was just so fired up and i actually wrote down a, a quote that he said which is from one of his videos on youtube mm-hmm. And he said, um, my cancer was a huge kick up the backside. It taught me not to take things for granted and gave me a new motivation for life. And I think, like for him, Stephen, it's it's, it's sad really because he's so young and that this breaking point came to him like at such a young age. And I mean, it makes me upset to talk about it because he's actually like, he's such an inspiration. Like he's gone and shared so much of like so much inspiration with people and that he's somebody that's he's got to broken breaking point and actually grew so much from it. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such like a he, he's a powerful person. I think people need to see him like he, he had to go through a pain so terrible, so like damaging, so at such a young age. And when you look at someone like that, you say, "Well, I haven't even got cancer. I have. I've got so much opportunity. You've just got to like just push through. You got to say like my problems are nowhere near as much as him. Yeah. If I'm going through pain." or I think I'm going for pain, it's still nothing compared to him. And if he can change and achieve that so much in that time, then who am I waiting for? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like what Steve Jobs says, and this always comes back to me. And probably, I mean, I always quote Steve Jobs, so I apologise to all of those listeners that don't like Steve Jobs for whatever reason, because I know there are a lot of Steve Jobs haters out there. But I'm going to quote him anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Is that idea of, you know, look, we all are going to die eventually. 
that is the only absolute in life. We're going to die. So there's no reason why you should ever think that you've got anything to lose. Mm-hmm. Because you're already going to die. Mm-hmm. You've already lost. And that, that will, that's so you may as mm-hmm. well do whatever you're going to do. So look in the mirror every morning and say to yourself, if today was my last day, because you never know, it could be another quote he says, although this isn't his, it's, he stole it from someone else, is uh, if you live each day like it's your, your last, one day you'll certainly be right. Mm-hmm. So you never know. You could walk out down the street and get hit by a car and that's it. That's you done. So if today's going to be your last day, are you going to do, would you do what you're about to do today? Exactly. And if the answer is no, too many times, something needs to change. It could be a little change or it could be a big change. That, and that was Stephen's message. So I remember sitting down with him. I was like, how do you do it? Like, what, where do you get this such a huge drive from? And he goes, Jem, there's this one thing. I'll tell it to everybody. It's in all my videos. And he was like, every day... See, see your day as like a bank account. Like if, if you had like thousands of pounds in this bank account, but by 12 o'clock that evening, that bank account runs dry. He said, what are you, you going to do with that money? Like, what are you going to do with it? And he was mm-hmm. like, you'd obviously go out and spend it on doing as much of the things you enjoy as possible or living the life you want to lead as possible. And he says, that's how people need to treat their time. Like mm-hmm. every day you have a bank, ba- bank balance of 24 hours in that day and how you spend them that day, by the end of by 12 o'clock midnight, that's gone. Gone, whatever you chose to do that day, and so if people are sitting there in an office, like you say, going to work in the morning, hour or two on the train, get there, eight hour day, two hours back, ten hours, and that's like most of your time awake. Some of it's sleeping, you're spending it on sleeping. You've just gone and done ten hours of your bank account every day, consistently, five days a week for a whole year. And what have you got to show for it? And that is why I could never work a nine till five anymore. I've seen too much, I've seen too much of having 100% control over my time. Pretty much, um, because you you do go okay. Well, let's say I've done seven hours sleep out of my twenty four hours, so that leaves me with seventeen hours. Okay, so then I'm going to go and do another seven hours at work, mm-hmm. doing nine to five. Uh, so that leaves me with ten hours. So then I've got ten hours to do. Well, I've got to take food into account. So let's let's say half an hour per meal. Mm-hmm. So that leaves me with nine hours. I mean, that's nine hours out of 24 I mean, to do what I want, which is sickening. It is sickening, the fact that the vast majority of our day is not being used for what we want. I mean, obviously, sleep is very good for you, and I yeah. would never, ever, ever Keep condone sleep, yeah. uh, removing sleep. So the only other thing to go, really, is work. And the only way to do that is to not work for someone else or yep. you know work for yourself and and it's it's those sorts of things as well but like you say even even that person who might have nine hours even though they do an eight or ten hour day like if you're doing something you hate the hours that you have free you're being miserable to your partner mm-hmm. your 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 friends don't want to be around you because all you talk about is how how much the boss pees you off or how much you hate whoever and it's just like like this is your life like you've got one att- one attempt at it like don't just wait around like stop just coasting or thinking that like i don't know like what i what, i don't know i just don't that's why i do the podcast i don't know what people are waiting for and mm. it scares me and it, I, i'm so happy that i've sort of woken up to it but um one thing i wanted to talk about and it, this kind of goes back to the whole steve jobs it goes back to um steven um steven sutton story and it's it's that sort of idea that people like when you think about death, what that does, it it breaks you away from every sort of like 
fear you had like mm-hmm. when Stephen was told oh um you've got cancer and you've not got long to live like as a teenager when i was young it was like oh does that girl like me or do i look good enough or what do i what can i do today to be i don't know how am i going to get that job that i want or mm-hmm. well i don't know do you what it's all these sort of really sort of ego driven sort of things that you have yeah. as as a young person or as somebody who's kind of just most of us are huge i mean we spoke about it in the last episode we've we're all driven by our egos a lot of people are so egotistical and i think that's the one thing that when you when you kind of reconnect with the fact that you're you, you're going to eventually die or you kind of it literally just strips your ego it says there's no time to worry about how people perceive me there's no time to worry about whether i'm gonna i don't know i mean if you're chasing a girl or anything like that and i think that's that's the thing that a lot of people who who wait for breaking point they've got so much ego or not so many i kind of i'm trying to again as i'm saying this i'm kind of making out in my head i'm trying to question myself but it's like when you let go of that ego that is when you're going to be able to make huge changes because no longer are you putting yourself in the driving seat you're not always just thinking about you as a person what will i get out of this you're actually saying well i need to be an entrepreneur because what i want to do like doing this podcast i want somebody to get something out of this i want somebody to Mm -hmm. grow from this i want Mm -hmm. it's like you have to sort of give away yourself like you have to kind of i don't know I know it's getting a bit deep but like you do yeah. you need to that's what all these entrepreneurs do these that's what they do they kind of give away themselves because they want to pursue like a better life for themselves but also for other people and maybe even more so for mm-hmm. other people well i have very little doubt uh that if it wasn't for steve jobs having been diagnosed with cancer i have no doubt that apple would be nowhere near as powerful as it is today in terms of its impact it has on technology and pop culture and you know uh, education and the stock market and all of that it wouldn't have half as much influence if it wasn't for the fact that steve jobs went i want to create the company that's going to enrich lives and impact lives through technology and through art and you know i've only got a few years to do it now so you know he planned several products ahead for apple whether or not we have seen those products yet i don't know but he apparently had the next uh, four products planned out for apple before he died he'd uh, you know only about a month before he died he was at council meetings getting uh, you know proposals ready for the new uh, big Apple headquarters and all of that sort of stuff um, it, it, just because he kicked it into high gear because he went I need to create this this company that's going to change the world mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it'd be anywhere near where it is now if it wasn't for, for the fact that he had been diagnosed with cancer and like we said before the podcast like this whole health app coming out and stuff like that that is going to change so many people's lives mm-hmm. I think that that's it really like you really need to kind of get out of your sort of set point like everyone's at this set point and if you're not happy with that set point like Mm -hmm. i i feel happy at this at the moment i feel happy that i can do what i'm doing at the moment yeah for really long like i'm just loving it like i'm Mm -hmm. having control over what i'm doing and i think too many people are in this set point and that set point usually won't be broken until something comes along and really shakes up definitely you always have the decision to say like there are things that you're gonna th- you're gonna go away and think oh what sort of you just really take into into your mind like what sort of things are is my body telling is my body telling me that I'm doing something wrong am I tired all the time am I overweight am I afraid to wear unknown shorts or a t-shirt because I don't want how people look at me or 
um, is my bank balance like I never save any money I'm drinking a lot I'm going out and I mean I don't want to tell people how to live their lives but these are these little actions that you're doing that are sort of sabotaging you from doing or becoming the thing that you you kind of aspire to be a little a little warning signs really yeah definitely and I just think that people need to kind of I mean it's a, it's a Tony Robbins he says this he says like raise your standard like a lot of people have got their standard and they're just content with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not all about, I, I don't buy into the whole bigger, stronger, faster kind of illusion. Like, I don't think you should constantly be, I don't know, striving for, for a lot. But I mean, not not striving for a lot, but you need to strive for what is truly who you are and where you want to be. Like you want to be an actor. That is what you're striving for. And that is your standard. I mm-hmm. am an actor. I'm not going to be happy till I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. People need to know like, what is your standard or has has somebody set your standard for you? Have you just got yeah. to that point? Like you need to kind of look into yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that's actually a pretty good point to start wrapping up. Yeah. I feel Unless like there's I... anything that you want to touch on. Not really. Yeah. I feel like I got a bit emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bit... good. It's good. <laughs> there is obviously a lot more that we could probably uh, talk about with this. So it'll probably be stuff that we can put aside for uh, a future episode. But, uh, you know, I think we've covered the the fundamentals uh, of of the uh, the topic, um, so on that basis, let's throw in a closing quote, Mr. Jim. Okay, so the uh, closing quote for the episode is: "We change our behaviour when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Consequences give us the pain that motiva- motivates us to change." Henry Cloud, and so yeah, that's kind of saying what we're saying. Like the, he he's saying there that you you need the pain. I think. These little sabotages that you you're kind of putting on yourself are small pains. Like they might not be. I mean, going out every weekend drinking, it doesn't look like a small. It doesn't seem like a big pain. But when you're doing it consistently, you're gonna eventually something's gonna go wrong, or you're gonna kind of. I mean, I like a drink, but you you've got to have like sort of moderation. But these little things are kind of examples of pain. You've just got to sort of expand that and say, why am I doing this habit over and over, mm-hmm. and is it serving? where i want to go really yeah um i just want to touch on the old action steps we've got a few for you um so one of the things that we were kind of talking about near the end is, is just kind of ask yourself if you want to be continuing on your current trajectory and and uh you know if you do would you hit the mark uh on becoming where you want to be who you want to be in the future so is your current trajectory taking you to where you want to be in your life where your ideal self is um and if it's not what do you need to change and what will happen if you don't change and i think a great example of that that first point is like scrooge like in the in the in the story scrooge he is shown who he will become in the future the Mm -hmm. the ghost of the future comes as this is who you'll be if you carry on being this miserable guy who's treats his workers like crap mm-hmm. and so you need to actively do your do an own scrooge on yourself and say if i stay doing what i'm doing right now who am i going to be in say 10 years time yeah and that might be the the sort of impetus to kind of take action mm-hmm. and uh the next step which i think is is really good to do uh if you journal i advocate journaling i, I haven't have, gotten to it so much i haven't got momentum on it enough but i have i have dabbled in the past and i do want to kind of pick it up and make it a proper habit um but one thing you could do is make a list of of ways that you're currently sabotaging yourself from from getting to where you want to be so in your journal or even and you know it can just be a little exercise that you can you can do it doesn't have to be a journal but just make and make note of it so you know are you eating bad food for example 
which can be a problem for so many different things mm-hmm. um, or at least certainly a, a signal um, it's, it's quite an enlightening one though these things will be things that you kind of do naturally but once you actually focus in on what bad things are, what things are moving me away from where I want to be mm-hmm. and when you start listing them you'll probably start it'll probably quite scare you actually yeah. but it's something that's really <laughs> eye-opening yeah and you know even if it's things like you know are you snapping at people or you, you know are you uh, segregating yourself from people anything like that social stuff as well um and then the final thing is just to kind of write down a list of, of small actions that you could uh, start doing immediately um, just to get you to where you want to be. So if that's, you know, uh, reading uh, a particular book that you think could help or, you know, um, getting in contact with someone that could help you, even if it is just getting in contact with someone that you haven't spoken to for a year or two. Do you know what I mean? That would be good. Or, or even, even the opposite, you know, spending less time with, with people that are taking you down the path you don't, you don't want to be on. So, you know, this that whole thing. If you want to quit smoking, don't spend so much time with smokers because you'll get dragged back into smoking. And it's just that sort of thing. Um, so just, just take a note of those little small small steps you could take. And I'd definitely consider, I'd say, to um, check out um, English Monroe's episode that we did because he did a lot about sort of habit formation. Mm. And it, for him, it started with these really tiny... Uh, changes i think it was like his cleaning of his desk he yeah. just became very super efficient at cleaning his desk mm-hmm. and that just spread into other aspects of his life yeah so definitely check out that podcast excellent um so that is that for the episode um as always if you want us to discuss something in particular you can send us an email or if you want to give us a little bit of feedback you can send us an email as well uh <laughs> Thanks for that voice. <laughs> You're very welcome. You can email me at wayne at powerfulnonsense.com. And you can email me at gem at powerfulnonsense.com. And that's gem spelled C-E-M. If, if, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me. If you prefer Twitter, however, you can tweet me and gem. Two for one. Well, not two for one. It's not one no, account. Can, it's it's two separate double accounts. You can what? Double at us. At Dub- mention us. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Either way, <laughs> you can tweet me at Wayne underscore Ingram. And you can tweet me at C-K-Y-I-L-D-I-Z. And please, if you do enjoy the show, all we ask is just to post a little tiny review. Give it five stars as well. Do you know I'm getting fed up of asking this now? I know. <laughs> we got quite a, quite a lot at the beginning. I know. We'd like some more. It makes us feel good. It makes us know that we're on the right path, on the right trajectory. Because I'm going to get to breaking point soon. And breaking point is tables are going to fly and (sighs) yeah no it just helps us get uh, get out to more people and it's just yeah it's nice no no it it really is it really does benefit the show and you guys because the better reviews we got the more reviews we got the more people know about the show and the more we can get exciting guests like English Monroe and Mans Denton and Kyle Eshen Roder. Uh, got it. I got it. Uh, so the more people know about the show and the more positive of an impact it makes, the more likely great people like that are going to get on on the show and have a chat with us. So that's my plea to you. Please. I'm begging you. Here's that desperation point. Breaking point. Breaking point. Breaking point. Okay. And on that note, <laughs> we are going to wrap it up. So thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. See you later. See you later.